The Barefoot Lawyer Reports recommends our listeners check out CNBC's recent documentary titled China's Corporate Spy War, which addresses the subject of international property and technology theft by the Communist Party waged on American corporations. To learn more about this documentary, visit CNBC.com. Okay, welcome to another episode of the Barefoot Lawyer Reports. Uh, I'm Bill Saunders. I'm the director of the Center for Human Rights at Catholic University, where Chen Guangchen, the barefoot lawyer, is a distinguished fellow. Today, we have a special guest, Jason Jones, who is the founder of the Vulnerable Peoples Project. And Jason, welcome. Uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Saunders, it's great to be on your show. Why don't you tell uh, my listeners who might not know about the your uh, vulnerable people's project what what's all about yeah well before i do that i just want to say i'm a big admirer of yours and chen guan chen so it's it's a real privilege for me um to be joining you on your podcast uh, we're, so glad, thank you. We're, we're glad to have you in a mutual we we mutually esteem what you do very much and i i want the people listening to learn about it thank you yeah so my organization i founded it in 2002 on uh, the lead up to the Iraq, the invasion of Iraq, um, in the aftermath of 9-11, I had been working for some NGOs in Washington, D.C., but prior to that, I was a soldier. At 17 years old, I dropped out of high school, actually, on my 17th birthday and joined the Army. And um, uh, from a personal experience I had as a young man and combined with that as being an infantryman, I really just, as a, as, uh, when I was 18 years old, in the army, I said, I want to spend my life living between the violent and the vulnerable. And at first, I, I was I was 11 Bravo, 11 Bang Bang, an infantryman, a ground pounder. I thought, well, the best way to probably do that would be U.S. Army Special Forces. Um, but I was also going to school while I was in the army. And I eventually decided, I think, the best way for me to get between the violent and the vulnerable is to harness influence. That when you have communities facing ethnic cleansing or genocide... Um, and the powers of the world are arrayed against them there. But as an American, I want to learn how to harness influence through the media, through government, through politics, through celebrity, through films, and harness that in the service of, of vulnerable communities. And um, leading up to the war in Iraq, I decided to start my own organization because I was really worried about how that war would impact um, the Christians in the region. And I wanted them to have a voice in Washington, D.C. I wanted them to have a voice to the American people. Um, but from there, uh, our work grew um, immensely. I had always been in, well, actually our very first, you'll appreciate this, Bill, my very first um, program of my organization, which is, it's the Human Rights Education and Relief Organization. We have two main programs, Movie to Movement, which produces movies, harnesses celebrity and markets films to advocate for the vulnerable. We've had some major Hollywood success through our films. And then the Vulnerable People Project, which in a very direct way advocates for the vulnerable. But even prior to the invasion of Iraq, and our first program was working with Chinese Catholics on how to set up sort of like an insurance policy, but it involved corrupting government officials. 
um, to push back on the one child policy. My oh. faculty advisor at the University of Hawaii was Dr. Kate Joe, and she lived through and suffered through the cultural revolution. And I was so lucky that I went to the University of Hawaii. And so I had Dr. Kate Joe and also R.J. Rummel was a professor there who wrote that sort of landmark book, Death by Government, that looked at the genocides. And he coined the word democide, the genocides and democides of the 20th century. So sort of through the influence of R.J. Rummel and then Kate Joe, who wrote a book, How the Farmers Changed China. And it was how the Chinese farmers used corruption to liberate China from Mao's uh, horrendous famine, which, of course, I believe led to the scapegoating of the Cultural Revolution, the one-child policy, and sort of um, this regime that now menaces the world, um, are all of these tremors that go back to that great famine. So that was our very first initiative. Our second initiative was sending ner American nurses to Romania, Romanian-American nurses to Romania to serve the um, unwanted, abandoned children yeah. in, in Romania. And we grew from there. You know, we're a Catholic apostolate. And I always say that with human rights work, there's always Palm Sunday when everyone shows up and cheers, you know, for the, the for for the the vulnerable. But then and then there's the Last Supper where the big shots all gather for a meal. Um, but I want to be there on Good Friday when our Lord is crucified and alone. And so that's with our apostolate. That's what we look to do is to stand with the most vulnerable people in the world when the world is left. And these vulnerable communities, they're not weak people. They're strong people who've been placed in impossible situations. You, we can think of Jimmy Lai, um, is obviously not a weak man. He was a strong, good, he is a strong, good, and noble man. Um, the freedom activists of Hong Kong, the Uyghur community, um, but they, they've just been placed in an impossible situation. So what we do at the Vulnerable People Project is we seek to stand alongside of them and try to turn these impossible situations into possible situations. Yeah, that's uh, that's wonderful. You know, Guang Chin uh, is you know friends with many of these people, like Jimmy Lai, and uh, I think we'll probably probably mention Colonel Zen later. And he's they know each other, and um, it I didn't realize you started with China. Um, of course, most of the people that listen to this podcast are people who know a fair amount about China and, and, and want to learn more. But um, Guang Chen was, although he's a lawyer, as a barefoot lawyer advocate for the uh, handicapped and for the uh, rural poor, he was, you know, disappeared and then prosecuted and sent to prison and then put under house arrest. 24 hours a day because he helped blow the whistle on the forced abortions under the one child policy. So I think there's something so horrible about that policy that it in, in some ways encapsulates what the Chinese people have to suffer under the Chinese communist party. Yeah. When I think the one child policy was really the fruit of, uh, the Catholic anthropologist Rene Girard talks about when there's civil disorder, they look for a scapegoat. The scapegoats have to be powerless and innocent to be effective in uniting the community. There cannot be any culpability. 
And when you look at the Cultural Revolution, that was a failed attempt at scapegoating. Really backfired. Didn't didn't work the way that they had hoped. Um, so the perfect scapegoat, the perfect villain um, for the pain and suffering that China faced, and the one child and uh, the, the famine was the child in the womb. Because what caused the people of China so much sorrow in the famine was watching their children starve to death. Yeah, and so to me. Um, the control of women's reproduction is central to keeping this regime in power. And I believe they know that. So they've loosened these restrictions, but of course they still monitor them. And we may see these restrictions go from banning abortions to forcing procreation. Well, well we do see that right in, in, in Xinjiang where they're in East Turkestan, where Uyghur women are forced to have children with Han Chinese. But, um, yeah, I believe that the one-child policy, whether the regime stumbled across it by accident and it just was effective, but it is the the child in the womb is the perfect scapegoat because it's absolutely powerless and absolutely defenseless. Yeah. And to monitor women's reproduction was brutal. My my faculty advisor, Dr. Joe, who had so much influence on me, her job was to monitor the menstrual cycles of women in factories. And this addled her. She would hector women, follow women to the bathroom, show up at their home. And that this was her job. It was total control, total invasion of policy. The demas you know, it emasculated the men and made them feel powerless. And then it it covered the whole country in shame. In Mo Yan's very powerful book, Frog, very powerful book. Um it really taps into the heart of the deep pain that the people of China uh, have suffered because of the one-child policy. And this is a pain that will ripple through that country for the rest of its history. So what is the Vulnerable People's Project kind of doing in China or connection with China now? Well, you know, China bumps into us everywhere. Wherever yeah. we're working to serve the vulnerable, whether it's in Nicaragua, whether it's in Ukraine, whether it's in Afghanistan, whether it's in Africa, whether it's in Iraq, we find the CCP. We find the CCP as a partner in exploitation and as a partner in repression and a partner of brutality. The, 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 the CCP, I would say, is the international linchpin of terror. It's a terror regime. We have been working with the Uyghur now um, since 2015 um, to try to, to you know, the, the, the problem with what the Uyghur are suffering is it's so unimaginable. I remember in those early days taking Uyghur around, the, 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 the taking them around Capitol Hill and members of Congress who were really well-informed, thoughtful people had never even heard of the Uyghur, let alone had any understanding of the Uyghur genocide. Um, so we're working closely with the Uyghur, but what's personal to me as a Catholic is we have a, a campaign to free our bishops. There are seven, not counting Cardinal Zen, there are seven other bishops who've been, been imprisoned and have disappeared. And this is the tip of the iceberg because beneath the bishops are in one province alone, and you know this, every priest and bishop and deacon and seminarian 
has been disappeared. The Hong Kong freedom activists, for the most part, that was a Catholic movement, I believe. And so, so many of these young Catholics have been brutalized and disappeared. So we're really, through our Free Our Bishops campaign, we are really hoping to get the church to pay attention. So often, people will email me and say, Jason, why do you fight for Muslims, you know, Muslim Uyghur, or why are you spending so much time and energy rescuing Afghan allies? Da, 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 da. You need to focus on Catholics. And I said, well, I don't focus on Catholics because I am a Catholic apostolate. <laughs> and if I was a Catholic, as a Catholic apostolate, I'm not a tribalist apostolate. Right. Um, my job is to serve the vulnerable. But if we don't love our own, if we don't fight for our own, we should doubt um, anything, every, anything else is just virtue signaling or victimism. And I think it's a really grave scandal. It's a scandal as great as the abuse scandal that the church has not raised its voice and roared to, at the CCP uh, um, oppression of our very own. Jimmy Lai, a, a Catholic layman whose who's, who's, his courage was fueled by his faith, whose activism was informed by his faith. But to see a church that to me has um, been silent, bishops who have been disappeared for doing what bishops are supposed to do, um, provide the sacraments and catechize. And we have bishops who were disappeared for caring for unwanted, discarded children. Um, this is all really unbelievable. It's unbelie it's it's not, I guess, unbelievable that uh, an ideological terror regime like the CCP would do things like this. But what I believe is unbelievable is that we as Catholics around the world um, haven't exerted uh, all of our energy to put pressure on the CCP. Yeah, you know, Guangxin often says what you've said about the CCP. They are, I, they are, of course, they're a terrible threat to their own people, but they're a threat to everybody around the world. I mean, they're a threat to the United States, but they're a threat to these other other countries uh, that you mentioned. They're always working in conjunction with other tyrants or would-be tyrants to uh, kind of put in place more perfect terrorism, if I could use that term. And all the things they're doing with surveillance in, in uh, communist China, they just want to export those techniques around the world to uh, suppress people. So the opposition to the Chinese Communist Party is not it's really something that unites the uh, freedom loving or human rights loving or people around the world. It should unite them because the Chinese Communist Party is the enemy of freedom. And um, there's many ways that you were mentioning what's happening to the Uyghurs and what's happening in Hong Kong, what's happening to the Christians and uh, the Christian churches, what's happened to the Falun Gong. Um, I mean, it, uh, and then what they're doing here in America to subvert our institutions. So I'm, I'm was interested to hear you confirm what we believe, which is they are working around the world all the time to kind of advance uh, totalitarianism. Yeah, who we bump into, Bill, is Russia, China, Iran. Russia, China, Iran. Russia, it's, it's wherever we go. Um, this is who my little organization the Vulnerable People Project bumps into, but but we, we're fighting back. This year, we're opening up offices in Indonesia, Malaysia, 
um, the Philippines, South Korea, and Japan. And we're doing this because we're really going to work to organize um, in those countries, the Muslim and Christian communities, to exert influence and pressure to free the Uyghurs, free our bishops. As, as, as Ambassador Sam Brownback said when he went to China, stop your war on religion. Of course, they will. And he, and he said, You're, you've declared a war on religion. One of the best lines that American has ever said, he goes to China and says, you've declared a war on religion and you will lose. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they will, and they will, and they, and they will lose because the St. John Paul, the great, um, and that last book of his, a collection of interviews that was put into a book, memory and identity. Um, he, he said that ideologies of evil are deprivations. The seeds of their own destruction are within them and the CCP will cease to exist. But after how, how much sorrow and suffering, and look, we, we talk about the menacing of Taiwan, the thrashing of Hong Kong, but we cannot forget the ethnic cleansing of East Turkestan, or as CCP calls it, Xinjiang of Tibet. And the first victims, the first victims of the CCP are the Han Chinese. You know, Bill, my, my, my wife was born and raised in Bronxville, New York, but she, her mother and father fled Mao. Um, her mother had to be, you know, was hidden in a monastery because her father was a nationalist general. And he was afraid his children would be killed, so he stuck them in a monastery. My father-in-law was at the University of Pennsylvania when China fell, and never to go home again. Um, and the, it was the it was the Chinese, it was the Han Chinese who suffered most, of course, through the Cultural Revolution, through the one-child policy, through this tyrannical, brutal regime. And let's not forget even the Korean War. Um, you know, my wife is Chinese, which means all my descendants will be Chinese. My grandfather. When I was a 16-year-old boy, didn't know this. I was with him on his deathbed, and I began, you know, I was crying. And he said, don't don't cry for me, Jason. I've lived a good, long, beautiful life. Cry for all the young men that I saw that died. And my grandfather was in World War II in Korea as an infantryman. And we were trained never to ask grandpa about Korea. You could ask him about World War II. Korea was off limits. And so... I didn't bring up Korea. I said, all those young American boys that you saw die in World War II, Grandpa. And he said, we'll cry for them. But I'm really thinking about, and then my grandfather had tears come down his eyes. And he said, all those Chinese boys that we killed, all those Chinese boys that I killed, they sent them at us wave after wave without weapons, wave after wave. And he was, he was crying. He said, please cry and pray for them. You know, Mao used us to kill his enemies by throwing wave after wave of Chinese that he saw as a threat at the United States military. No concern for his own people. We saw that in the famine. We saw that in the Cultural Revolution. We saw that in the one-child policy. We see that in the, in the terror regime that exists there now and the thrashing and brutalizing of Hong Kong, the, the bullying and threatening of of Taiwan. And um, so, you know, we need to pray for the people of China to be liberated from the CCP. I know you know this better than anyone, but I am excited. And I, I blame our elite for a lot of this, not to move into areas of controversy, but I think there's been a real fear on our part to having real partnerships uh, around the world. And, but I, I think a free China a, the rising of a free China to be our partners in creating the future would be a prosperous, beautiful world. Um, and 
We were told when we gave China most favored nation status, and I believed it. I was chairman of the college Republicans at the time, and I was, God forgive me, banging the drum, you know, listening to what Rush Limbaugh said about, and the Republican leadership were telling me about permanent most favored nation status for China will make China free and more like us. And I believed it. But we've become more like them. And either the future is free without the CCP or our posterity will be enslaved in a world that resembles the CCP. And this is it. Uh, we're not going to coexist with the CCP. We're either going to conform to the CCP or China will be liberated from the CCP. And, and this is really the two futures that we're looking at. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The uh, idea that Americans had that at one point they would become law-abiding law by joining uh, either bilateral or international organizations is all they've done is subvert those those obligations. Um, most favored nation, the World Trade Organization, the United Nations, um, and they're determined. I mean, the Chinese Communist Party is absolutely determined to do this. So either they're defeated or will, and when I say we, I mean Americans, but I mean people anywhere in the world that love freedom, or we will be defeated. It's, it's one way or the other. Yeah, no, you're right. And we need to, again, and I'll, I'll, I'll appeal back to St. John Paul the Great, but this time in um, Evangelium Vitae, the Gospel of Life. He said, we need um, we need a mobilization of the world that we, the same sort of mobilization that we saw of energy and sentiment to defeat fascism and Nazism and communism in the West to battle back the culture of death. And the CCP is the culture of death. And... Um, if we want to leave our posterity a civilization of love and a culture of life, um, we have to free the people of China from the CCP. Yeah, well said, Jason. Um, tell, uh, I know that our producer will put all the information about your organization uh, with this podcast, but why don't you give us your website address? So our website is thegreatcampaign.org, and you can see all our campaigns around there at thegreatcampaign.org. As you can tell, it came from St. John Paul the Great's quote, we need to launch a great campaign to advance the culture of life and defeat the culture of death. And that's that's that domain, thegreatcampaign.org. And then freeourbishops.com, freeourbishops.com. And if I can, Bill, I'm in Hawaii right now. Hawaii is my home. Um, we live on the mainland now. My organization has taken me around the world over the past 30 years to Sudan during the genocide. I just got back from Ukraine during Iraq, during um, when ISIS erupted. And I've, I've been in war zones and, and I've witnessed catastrophes, but there, I've never seen anything like Lahaina in Maui. And if anyone wants to stand with the people of Lahaina, we have the hopeforhawaii.com website. And they can see how they can support the people of Lahaina, hopeforhawaii.com. It's been it's utterly heartbreaking for me. It was to go to Hawaii um, to see the suffering that I've witnessed in Afghanistan, in Ukraine, in Sudan, in Nigeria, in my own town. 
Um, just yesterday, I saw a woman walking through the ruins, crying and talking to herself. There are over a thousand missing. Um, if you, there, there are anticipated over a thousand dead. And in an average year in Maui County, only a thousand people die a year. A thousand people missing um, yeah. in Lahaina would be the equivalent of eight hundred thousand New Yorkers missing. Wow. It's really devastating to Maui and all of the people of Hawaii. Yeah, thank you for telling us that. And I encourage everybody to visit those websites and get involved uh, both in the China projects, but also uh, helping out in Hawaii. Uh, we, uh, we're really glad you could join us and we appreciate all you do. I hope the listener will understand that in order to, to defeat the Chinese Communist Party and to bring freedom, we've got to be united uh, with as, as wide a network of people and as many organizations and there's, as we can be. And certainly uh, what you're doing is one we're happy to be united with. And in fact, my students, at least one of my students is now working for you. So we're, um, we're happy to be connected. Um, Thank you for being with us. Any last words, Jason? No, I just can't thank you enough for your work and and your audience. Um, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, um, you're in the officer corps um, in defeating tyranny. So, you know, thank you. Um, thank you for listening to the show and thank you for su supporting this organization. I can't thank you enough, Bill. You're welcome, Jason, and we'll be back next time with another episode of the Barefoot Lawyer Reports. The Barefoot Lawyer Reports is proud to feature the art of Chen Weiming, a human rights activist whose sculptures depict the struggle for democracy and freedom in China. His work is displayed at Liberty Sculpture Park in Yermo, California, which Chen Guangcheng recently visited. You can view pictures of Weiming's art at catholic.edu slash chr.